welcome to this edition of the Bill Bunkley Show, and we are broadcasting live from our studios right here in the West Shore District of Tampa. It is our honor to have you with us this afternoon, and uh, what's happening on a beautiful day across West Central Florida is uh, we know you have questions, and I bet I've got some uh, answers for you this afternoon. We are broadcasting once again on our Salem Network with their, our Faith Talk stations, our answer stations in the biz. We've got you covered from, uh, well, in between uh, a point between SeaWorld and Orlando to our east, up to Hernando County to our north, and all the way down to the northern fringes of Fort Myers. We have a nice big footprint for you. So choose the station of your choice, and if that doesn't work, you can also download one of our apps and listen live on our apps right now, iHeartRadio, and we're also streaming if you're home at your office, uh, home at your office uh, or home PC. Uh, three convenient numbers for you to be a part of our program today, 813-287-5700. In Tampa, Sarasota, Bradenton, Manatee County, your personalized local number, 941-955-0930. For all others across Florida and the U.S., call me toll-free at 877-943-9673. Good to be in this afternoon. Had a wonderful morning I want to tell you about in just a few moments. Uh, I was uh, out getting a briefing at Rivard Buick GMC. And I am excited because uh, not only have we been telling you about the fantastic lineup there, I want to tell you that Rivard Buick GMC, under the leadership of uh, Roger Rivard, who's the owner, and uh, spent some time this morning with uh, Cade Rivard, who's the general manager, uh, tell you what, they uh, in July they were the number one volume uh, GMC uh, Sierra dealer anywhere in the state, and I can tell you that uh, month after month, all the way up and down the West Central corridor, they um, they get that distinction all the time. The reason why I tell you that is is that uh, very competitive on price. Right now, the Sierra lineup, they've got 40 or 50 on the lot. And uh, a little bit later on in the program, I'll tell you more about uh, a special offer I can uh, bring to you. On, on, on one of the Sierras I'm driving right now, we'll get to that a little bit later on in our program. Good to have you here. Um, the um, Newswatch 8 has got a couple of bulletins that I want to pass along to you. We've got uh, actually three missing children this afternoon, so I want to do our part uh, the first one comes to us from Newswatch 8. Deputies of Hillsborough County are searching for a, message, um, a missing teenage girl who took uh, an Uber from her home over the weekend and never returned. She's 16-year-old Jasmine Pittman. She left her home on Vine Tree Drive in Brandon Sunday morning via Uber. According to Uber's website, only adults can have an Uber ride account. A parent or guardian must be with a child who uses the account. Now, some cities allow children ages 13 to 17 to ride alone uh, using a teen account connected to a family profile. Hillsborough County deputies believe Pittman may now be in the area of Lambright Street in Tampa. That's a pretty long street. I think there's East Lambright and West Lambright, uh, as uh, I recall from uh, my uh, growing up here. Uh, But anyone that has information about Pittman or her location, please call the sheriff's office at 813 247-8200, 813-247-8200. Now, uh, we have uh, another youngster uh, that is missing, and so um, we want to uh, uh, notify you about that as well. The second one in Hillsborough County, 
um, is a runaway juvenile. Sheriff's Office said that uh, Janella Anglin, 14, left her home on North 22nd Street, has not been returned, had not returned. She is believed to be staying in the Sulphur Springs area. Uh, Anglin is described as 5'2", five, five 112 pounds, brown hair and hazel eyes. Anyone with information about her whereabouts is asked to call, again, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office at 247-8200. Now, let me go over to Fox 13 because uh, we have um, a youngster up in Pasco County that I want to uh, bring your attention to as well. And uh, that youngster has been missing, uh, I believe, uh, since the weekend. This is a 15-year-old, Jeremy McGoolan, M-C, capital G-U-I-L-L, was last seen leaving his Land O'Lakes home at 1.45 uh, a.m. Tuesday morning. The 16-year-old left his Lake Pageant Estates East home wearing gray sweatpants, a gray hooded sweatshirt. He's described as five foot six, hundred sixty pounds. Has fair skin, brown hair, and blue eyes. Pasco County Sheriff's Office said he may be heading to Tampa, Newport, Ritchie. If you see him, detectives ask you to call eight hundred seven zero six two four eight eight. And the reason why I wanted to mention those three separate, um, uh, I'm going to call them children, is that um, today I-, I could not imagine. Mrs. Bunkley and I finding out that for some reason our, our Zachary was missing. And so um, far too often we will hear or see reports of this, and we just sort of, if we're on our app, we just flip on to the next story. If we see something on TV, but, you know, um, with the scourge of human trafficking right here in our area, um, it is disturbing very disturbing indeed in terms of um, us having an awareness. So I uh, want to just tell you that I want to always have uh, uh, an opportunity uh, if we can help our law enforcement uh, officers to um, be able to locate some of these children. Well, 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 we have uh, the second full day that we have a new um, chairman of the board, could I say that? I'm actually meaning, you know, chief of staff. And uh, General John Kelly has um, gotten great um, attribution from all sides of the aisle. And as we have learned a little bit more, we heard from Sarah Huckabee Sanders a few minutes ago in terms of the daily um, press opportunity uh, there at the White House. And uh, I guess the big question that was waiting to be answered is he the chief of staff of all or just chief of staff of the non-family members? It has been made clear that he is the chief of staff. However, can we just can we just have a little conversation? Look. Look, Ivanka is Donald Trump's daughter. Jared Kushner is his son-in-law. Now, during the day, and I think that there'll be a certain amount of protocol because I think the general will, if he hasn't already, he's going to talk about what happens when you have um, a staff of people and you have family members that are involved with, uh, that we have here. We have, you know, the head of the ship is Donald Trump, the president, got a couple family members. And I think there is a little sensitivity at times among situations like that. So I think that uh, he's had the conversation, but, but, 
but let, let's not let's not kid ourselves. During the day, everything that goes to the president, we are told, is now going to go through the chief of staff. That's the way it should be. That doesn't mean in the evening where they're having, uh, you know, informal family time upstairs in the residence, et cetera, et cetera. Surely they're going to be having conversations. But I think that uh, for everyone else in the West Wing to know, number one, we're not going to be tolerating these leaks anymore. And number two, uh, there's going to be accountability. I know when uh, when the captain was here yesterday, Captain Matt Bruce, uh, we were kidding about the fact that uh, I wonder, we wondered if the general, because he's known as a very, very committed disciplinarian. I mean, he's a Marine's Marine. What, four-star? Not just one, not just two. Not diminishing that, guys, if you're listening, if you're retired as a one, two, or three-star. But when you get to be a four-star, and, uh, by the way, head of Central, uh, excuse me, Southern Command, um, look, you're, you're going to come to work, and uh, you're going to be focused. And uh, in this case, there's two bosses. One is a president, one is a chief of staff. So I can tell you that I am looking forward to um, some progress. And I think this may, may very well be the reset that this president needs. Now, I will make this perfectly clear because the president made it perfectly clear. He is not going to stop tweeting. He is not... And I'm going to tell you, maybe I'm odd man out, and you can call me and criticize me at 877-943-9673. At this point, President Trump would not be President Trump unless he was communicating directly with the American people by way of his Twitter account. Now, it is good to know when the president wants to reveal how he's thinking. It's also good to know if... uh, Beyond factual tweets, there's opinion tweets. But uh, I would uh, continue to call on uh, the president and others. Look, there there are several types of groups in this country that the further in the ditch, the further in the mud, the vulgar things you can say or do, throw out the curse words, that's their modus operandi. But I want to tell you that when you are in office and when you are working for the president of the United States, I'm not naive. I've been involved with all of that. I know what happens behind the scenes. I know that uh, for me to suggest that there is no profanity uh, behind the scenes uh, as people are working, they're at the water cooler. Um, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not naive. But at the same time, When you are walking with character, when you are walking with integrity, and when you are aware of the awesome responsibility that you have, anyone who is working that close in the West Wing, I want to tell you, it is a privilege. It is an honor. It is a privilege, and it should be looked at uh, in that manner. And... um, I think that uh, under the uh, general's supervision, I think that's going to happen. I think that he will help. Look, when you are an entrepreneur, when you are the big doer guy, and that's what the president is, man, I, I tell you what, a lot of times I'm an idea guy. Man, I got ideas, my mind just goes, and I, and I, and I spit them out. 
I may not be the best guy to implement the same ideas that I just rolled out. Now, I may know some some uh, key um, uh, delivery points in, in what I might suggest. But I tell you what, I, I'm optimistic about looking at this relationship. Here you've got the, the entrepreneur's entrepreneur who's going to be looking at all the problems we have in government. And look at the way he's, he's presenting ways to fix things. And then you've got General Kelly. And if he's the detail guy that can listen to the president, you know, pad and pen in hand. And uh, this guy, this guy is what, uh, is it 67 or 77? Is he 77? Probably, well, look up his age because uh, let me just tell you, this general did not have to return to public service. And as a four-star, that's definitely so. So what do you think? Are you as optimistic as I am about this latest reset? 877-943-9673. Hey, it's your country. It's your president. It's our future. Your chance to join the conversation and sound off on the Bill Bunkley Show. Again, toll-free, 877-943-9673. Story we'll get to next is, uh, how about it, Siesta Key? MTV, how was that? Uh, I I couldn't tell you. I didn't watch it, but uh, we'll talk about that coming up on the show. Don't go away. I'll be right back. AM 930, The Answer. Online at am930theanswer.com. In this new reality of daily attacks on our conservative beliefs, family values, and our proud American way of life, it's important to remember you're not alone. November confirmed that. And we are with you. We are AM 930, The Answer. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. As Texas begins the long process of recovery from the catastrophe of Hurricane Harvey, Americans across the country should embrace four important lessons. First, let's acknowledge that government isn't always the enemy. And in emergencies like this one, government at the local, state, and federal levels has a crucial life-saving role to play. Second, we see that government alone isn't enough. Private businesses and countless individual volunteers proved indispensable for rescue and recovery. Third, in times of crisis, crisis, our various divisions, racial, political, religious, matter far less than we thought. No one asked rescuers or the rescued about political affiliation or ethnic background when lives were at stake. Finally, the country can put aside its passionate disagreements and work together when it's necessary as we strive to return to normal life. And yes, after Harvey, we're reminded that normal life, whatever its shortcomings and frustrations, is worth defending and even cherishing in this phenomenally fortunate nation. I'm Michael Medved. AM 930, Stress Saver, Traffic Report. Good afternoon, 75 southbound, slow right after University Parkway, and more southbound delays right around Fruitvale Road to Soto Bridge. Northbound, not looking too bad. Southbound, though, a little slow on the south end. The Business 41 and the Skyway looking good. Lockwood Ridge southbound, uh, looks like a crash at State Road 70, causing some delays there. 301 southbound, a little heavy before 63rd Avenue East. And a crash on University westbound uh, before 75, has traffic a little slow there. Fruitville, V Ridge, Clark Road's all looking pretty good. That earlier crash on Clark Road eastbound at Lockwood Ridge, uh, not causing much in the way of delays now. Dave Cash, FM 93.7, AM The Answer.
back. Bill Bunkley here. 21 minutes past the hour. want to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Mixon Farms. And uh, I'm only a day late with this. Uh, yesterday, the captain, as in Captain Matt Bruce, was um, lunching at uh, Mixon Farms yesterday. And I understand that we had uh, uh, a host of our, we call them P1 listeners, the top of the top had come out to uh, spend some time with um, uh, one of our station personalities who um, is a great anchor overnight. But I want to give a shout-out to uh, our friends, and uh, I hope they were still listening today. They were going to listen yesterday, but we had uh, a host of things uh, happening, and uh, we weren't able to get uh, that particular um, opportunity uh, reported on. So, uh, And by the way, if you haven't a chance to visit uh, Mixon Farms, you ought to do that um, uh, great ownership, um, great uh, responsible uh, community contributors. Uh, they are very, very special people indeed. Well, uh, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. Uh, I was trying to pull up a story. I got um, uh, Jerusalem Post. Uh, if you've been following this, I was going to talk about it. Then we had the breaking news, but I think I will be back at it again. As you know, over the last week, uh, seven, eight, nine days, there have been uh, a lot of issues con- con- uh, dealing with the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And as we are watching what's happening in the Middle East, and, uh, you know, just weeks ago I had uh, my pilgrimage that was uh, in the area but we are now getting reports of some fresh violence, uh, three dead, um, one wounded in a West Bank stabbing attack. But uh, I'm having a hard time getting, I think so many people are hitting the Jerusalem Post. It's not, uh, it's not reacting, and it's breaking news. Uh, let me see. It's kind of, it's kind of, um, here we go. Two Israelis were killed, one severely wounded in a stabbing attack in the West Bank town of Hamalish on Friday evening. So it wasn't at the Temple Mount. The Israeli forces reported an assailant infiltrated a private home in the community of Hamalish, also known as Nevesu, northwest of Ramallah, and stabbed four Israeli citizens. Three of the victims died as a result of the wounds. One was evacuated to the Shari Tazidik Hospital. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening. If you follow what's happening in the Middle East, and it's very important for us to keep this uh, you know, before us because a lot of what's going to be happening, I am very much a believer in, in prophecy. I'm a believer uh, as a, a Christian follower into what we see happening in the Middle East that matches up so perfectly with what... Um, what the scripture has to say about uh, what will be happening as we get close to uh, the time when Israel will probably will be invaded by armies from the north. And now we have both um, uh, the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims uh, all uh, concerned, fighting over the Temple Mount. And um, so what we have, you know what, I've got this, I got this app on my phone from Sky Tower Radar, Channel 13, and even though I turn all my volume, all of my volumes are off on the phone. Uh, the um, the one that has to do with the um, radar still comes through. So, guess it's getting ready to rain at the Bunkley House uh, in in uh, Kara would have to kind of deal with that. But uh, let's talk about the Temple Mount. Very important when you see the attacks going on in Israel. 
because uh, people will say, why, you know, it, it, you're going to Israel? Man, I can't believe you're going there, man. That place is not safe. I feel safer in Israel than I do in Times Square in New York City. I'm just going to tell you, I feel safer. Now, there's there's a, a practical reason is because Israeli security is just a stellar. But the other reason is, and I, I thought I would just mention this this afternoon, as, as this is going to unfold for a few more days, I'm sure, because of uh, the Temple Mount had to be shut down because uh, two Israeli police officers were killed about a week ago. In response, the three Palestinian assailants were also taken out by the Jerusalem police forces. But you got to understand that ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, um, Al-Qaeda, all of these groups operate somewhat differently, and they have different priorities. For instance, Israel has been very vigilant to keep ISIS out of Israel. Israel deals internally with Palestinian terrorists. Palestinian terrorists, and we're talking about Arabs that live and are Israeli citizens or live inside Israel, those that live on the other side of the wall in the West Bank, the type of um, terrorism you're seeing here is always against Israel. Primarily, it's against the Israel military, the IDF, or against Israel police forces, or against Israeli citizens. One of the reasons for that is, is that if they, if they kill an Israeli citizen, being a Palestinian terrorist, or if they kill a police officer or someone in the IDF, imagine that so much of the area is poverty-stricken, poverty-stricken in the West Bank. Well, what happens is their family they leave behind, they get a healthy government pension. For the rest of their lives. They're rewarded for murder and terrorism. So when we were there, uh, the day before we were at the Damascus Gate, well, actually two or three days, uh, there was unfortunately a young Israeli uh, female police officer that was stabbed, and she died as a result of her injuries. And we also had the, the, the shootings a few days ago in the Temple Mound. What I want to call your attention to Right now is one of the high seasons for terrorists, I mean, for, for tourists. Tourists are all around. And if you notice, you haven't seen any reports of any tourists being killed for what? Many, many years. Why? They're not targeted. We're not targeted as tourists. They will run by me. They will run by my pilgrimage group if they're, if they're going to do this, and they're going to go to somewhat of authority with Israel and take them out. That's why, and by the way, the Arabs in Bethlehem and around the areas where there's tourism, millions if not billions of dollars are at stake with all the pilgrim, pilgrims coming in and the religious tourism. Believe me, both the Arab side and the Israeli side want to keep the tourists safe because it's a, a major form of uh, economic development in the area. So I just want to mention that as you are going to probably see more CNN had a story on the uprising uh, on the Temple Mount, so I wanted to just uh, give that little editorial piece to you, as I think you're going to be seeing more and more of that through the weekend. Well, how about environmentalists? How about the whole global warming? 
How about doing things that, uh, you know, can man interfere with the balance? So, so beautifully created by uh, God himself. That story is coming up next. Michael Gillen, national best-selling author, be with me. His latest book is a fiction with a lot to learn from it called The No Prophecy. That's coming up in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he's had offers of help from all 50 states as his state struggles with the devastation left by Harvey. Abbott says the flooding is far from over. President Trump and the First Lady will head back to Texas tomorrow. Mr. Trump has declared Sunday a day of prayer for the storm victims. There are 258 shelters open in Texas, hosting more than 42,000 people driven from their homes. There's no decision yet from the president regarding federal protections for immigrant children whose parents brought them to this country illegally. The decision is expected on Tuesday of next week. On Wall Street today, the Dow closed up 39 points, ending the day at 21,988. The Nasdaq gained seven points and the S&P up five at the closing bell. More details at srnnews.com. So just how smart is your smartphone? Add a couple of dozen IQ points to your digital friend by downloading the AM930 app. Local news, national headlines, and incisive commentary. Turning your smartphone into a genius. The AM930 app is the answer. We all play a role in keeping our community safe. Every day, we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our every day. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when something doesn't seem quite right that it's time to pay attention. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Mr. Sparky, we're on time, you'll see. Mr. Sparky, all your repair is free. There's only one reason to be excited about Taco Tuesdays. Tacos. Now you have 59 reasons to get excited about Wednesdays. When you book an appointment for Wednesdays with Mr. Sparky, you'll save 59 bucks off the service fee for your visit. That's right, on Wednesdays you can get the weekend honeydew list done, and there's no charge for the service call with Mr. Sparky. You just pay for installation repairs and necessary parts. Call 888-8-SPARKY. This is Michael Medved, your cultural crusader, making it clear to you that you can hear my show, The Michael Medved Show, for all three hours now. Tonight, starting at 9 o'clock, right after Larry Elder. Now, of course, if you ever miss a program or if you want to hear the show live, you can always go to our website. Go to michaelmedved.com and find out how to access all kinds of other cool stuff. That's michaelmedved.com. And make sure to listen tonight at 9, right here on FM 93.7, 103.1, and AM 930, The Answer. AM 930. 
stress saver traffic report. Good afternoon. 75 southbound crash after University Parkways got southbound jammed up back to University and slow again southbound on 75 in the Venice area due to a crash after River Road. So far, the DeSoto Bridge, uh, some southbound delays on the south end. Business 41 Bridge southbound a little slow on the south end as well. The Skyway's looking good. State Road 64 moving well. State Road 70, an earlier crash uh, westbound after Creekwood Boulevard still has some delays there. 301 southbound slow ride before 63rd Avenue East. University Parkway not looking too bad. Fruitville, some eastbound delays before Honoray and a crash reported on Beneva southbound at Fruitville Road. Dave Kosh, FM 93.7, 103.1 and AM 930, The Answer. A big cloudy with a shower or thunderstorm tonight. Low 78 sunshine and clouds with a shower or a thunderstorm Saturday. High 87, mostly cloudy with a thunderstorm Saturday night. Low 76. Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy with a stray thunderstorm, high 89. I'm Matt Roberts for FM 93.7, 103.1, and AM 930, The Answer. This is an encore presentation of The Bill Bunkley Show. We're back. It is 34 minutes past the hour. Bill Bunkley here, the Bill Bunkley Show. Going to talk about a fictional book, a fictional situation, but uh, hold on. Maybe there's some things that we ought to glean from this. It comes from regnery fiction. The U.S. president calls on scientists dual to prevent earth-shattering solar radiation eruption. Will the world be wiped out? Hey, I want to tell you that we're talking about the null prophecy, but even though it's fiction, the events in this book are part of a reality that is all too possible if we don't put an end to human manipulation of natural forces. We're not far from a time when humans could bring on our own apocalypse in the name of environmental justice. My guest today, uh, Michael Gillen. Uh, provides a very real look into the future of our planet if humans don't cease their relentless attempts to play God. I want to tell you, my guest today, of course, is uh, Michael Gillum. He was born in East Los Angeles, earned his bachelor's from UCLA, uh, his master's and his doctorate from Cornell University. And by the way, let me just mention this because I think it will be relevant later, especially when I bring up uh, somebody who's supposedly the science guy, Bill Nye. My guest um, has uh, his degrees in physics, mathematics, and astronomy. Hmm. Pretty good resume, right? Uh, For eight years, he was an award-winning physics instructor at Harvard University. For 14 years, he was the Emmy Award-winning science correspondent for ABC News, appearing regularly on Good Morning America, 2020, Nightline, and World News Tonight. Dr. Gillen is the host of the History Channel series, Where Did I Come From?, as well as producer of the award-winning family movie, Little Red Wagon. He's also the president and CEO of Spectacular Science Productions, a much-sought-after public speaker, and, as you'll see today, best-selling author of several books, including two critically acclaimed books for the general public about mathematics, Bridges to Infinity, and The Five Equations that Changed the World. Dr. Gillen, it's good to have you with us this afternoon. Well, gee, Bill, <laughs> it's great to be here, you know. 
Thank you for that generous introduction. I feel I should run for office after that. <laughs> uh, well, we'll vote for you for sure. And uh, <laughs> I, I did that because I want to I wanna talk about the science guy here in a few minutes because I want to talk about somebody who's really trained in science yourself and somebody who uh, likes to act like he's trained in science. Now, you probably will back away from that a little bit, but we'll have some fun with that. But, uh, look, you have been dealing with reality. You've been dealing with mathematics and physics and astronomy. I mean, very real-life facts. So how is it that you, that this Harvard professor, turns around and now you are writing what is going to be a best-selling nonfiction uh, work called The Null Prophecy. Uh, how so? Well, you know what? That's an excellent question. I guess the easiest way for me to answer, because you're right, this is my first novel, Bill, and I'm really excited. I'm like a papa of a first child, you know? <laughs> uh, but it, it's a novel that is squarely based on facts. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be good at, I, I wouldn't be good at writing one of these kind of pie-in-the-sky you know, uh, in a galaxy far, far away, a billion years from now. Uh-uh. That's not me. As you indicated, I'm a facts and figures guy. I mean, I've been doing that all my life. I'm comfortable with it. It's my world. Uh, so when I set out to write a novel, because I thought, hey, you know, not everybody picks up a nonfiction book. I want to reach a wide audience. I want to I entertain them. But I also want to maybe uh, communicate some pretty serious messages. Um, in the form of a thriller that is based on reality, real science, and current events. So that, that's kind of the answer to your beautiful question. Hmm. Now, I've had to brush up on my Spanish just a tad. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when my audience picks up their copy, they'll understand what I'm talking about. But uh, being right here in Tampa Bay and in Florida, obviously not something that's too foreign. But the other part of this is clearly you have a distinct understanding of not only the faith component, but the Christian worldview component. And uh, i got to tell you that uh, it's refreshing for someone that does have the scientific uh, bona fide credentials that you have that also has uh, an understanding not only of uh, of basic biblical faith, but uh, you incorporate that uh, in a marvelous way in this book. Well, Bill, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate your, first of all, acknowledging that, recognizing that, appreciating it, valuing it. Uh, yes, I, you know, and, and I haven't always been a man of faith. When I got to Cornell, you know, I was purely a scientific monk. Uh, that's a whole other story. But yes, I have, uh, I have become a man of faith and through some very, um, shall we say, strenuous questioning, mm-hmm. uh, through some strict critical thinking. So I came at my faith, uh, Kind of a hard, old-fashioned way. I, I, you know, it wasn't something that I just kind of woke up one day and said, "Hey, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus." No, it wasn't that simple. But I wanted my thriller, again, not to be just. I mean, look, on some level, it could be read just for entertainment. It's a great summer read. You know, it gets you into the action from page one, as you know. Um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to wrestle with this whole question about science and faith. And so I created these two protagonists. One of them is, yes, a Hispanic woman. She's kind of, uh, well, she is a Harvard physicist turned network TV correspondent. So it's kind of based in my life. Um, she, I made her a baby Christian because I didn't want somebody who was kind of headed all together. I wanted readers to see someone genuinely struggling with 
acquiring faith, a genuine faith, mm-hmm. uh, not a superficial faith. So she's wrestling with her faith, with her family, with her personal life. And then to, to kind of play off of her, not only as a love interest, but also as somebody who will play off of her in this realm, I created a, the, the, the second protagonist, Calder Sinclair. He, um, he's an inventor. He's invented a vehicle, again, based on solid science, not pie in the sky, that could radically change the way we travel long distances forever. And this guy, he is not a man of God. He is, in fact, very angry at God. He's had a hard childhood. His wife has uh, had a freak accident. Uh, his one and only kid, Sarah, now has taken off to be educated in Australia. Mm-hmm. So he's a lonely, unhappy guy. So as things, as the danger begins unfolding in the novel, uh, these two react in a very different way. She reacts as a, a woman of fledgling faith. Uh, and also a scientist, right? So she's a, she's a physicist, right, right. so she's a woman of faith. And then he reacts to it very differently as a, as a, as a, as a hardcore secularist. Um, and and I, wanted to, I wanted to explore that. I wanted to explore that friction. Even though they're attracted to each other, they have these huge differences. So that's where that came from, Bill. Mm. Just joining us, a uh, book that uh, we're recommending that you uh, look into uh, getting on your summer reading schedule. It's called The Null Prophecy written by Michael Gillum, and, of course, he's a best-selling author and uh, a true bona fide scientist in many disciplines. We'll get to that in a moment. You know, yesterday I had uh, Dr. Mortensen on. Um, you're probably familiar with Answers in Genesis, and we were talking about the topic of the of the Grand Canyon and, uh, you know, billions and billions and billions of years is one point of view, but they wouldn't let a Christian uh, researcher in. Now he's going to go in, but... We compared that with one of some of the things we see from Mount St. Helens. You know, there's such a divide by, by most people that are in the sciences that won't even consider the faith component. Talk about that, because uh, I think that uh, we're really doing a disservice if we don't look at two of those um, approaches concurrently. Your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with you, Bill. And, and here, here's my two cents worth. Uh I see a lie being perpetrated out there, and it's a heartbreaking lie, that somehow we are kind of like the children of divorced parents who are being asked to choose between mom and dad, that we're being asked to choose between reason and faith because we can't live with both together. That's kind of the the popular mindset today among many people. And I'm walking proof, living proof, um, that that is simply not the case. I'm, I'm a scientist, as you've indicated. I've been a scientist um, for all my life. I mean, if you go back to when I first loved science, I was in second grade. So for goodness sakes, <laughs> I've, been, I've been a scientist by heart and by training pretty much all my life. Uh, and it's still the love of my life. I love science. It's, it's been good to me. I, I love the way it illuminates uh, the universe and actually strengthens my faith. And that's the point. That's the point, Bill, Mm. that far from being antagonistic, what I have found in my own experience, and and I share some of that through the action and the null prophecy, but I also share that in books that I've published previously to that, that um, they are not only compatible, faith and science, but they lift one another up. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a, a beautiful couple. You know, if you've ever met a, a married couple 
that truly lift one another up. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it in their conversation. You hear it you, 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 when you're with them at a dinner or at a party or something like that. You can just see how they lift one another up. Well, that's been my experience with reason and faith. And when you attempt to um, navigate through life, if you want to understand the universe, you got to have both. You can't have one or the other, or, it, it, or, or you're just kind of going through life with with one eye closed. And so that's been my discovery in life. As I said, I, I didn't find my faith until I got to Cornell in grad school and then through my time at Harvard when I really began developing my faith. And then beyond that is when I really began surrendering. Because, you know, it's one thing to believe. It's quite another thing to surrender to that belief. Yes, yes. Uh, two, very, it, it, two very, very different things. I mean, you know, the devil believes in God. So what? So when I hear people say, well, yeah, yeah, I believe in God, I'm like, okay, well, well, how does that manifest in your life? I mean, have you have you surrendered to that belief? To, do you fully trust that belief, or is it just kind of, you know, superficial and intellectual? But um, to me, reason and faith are both a part of any well-founded religion, but they're also a, a wealth, a, a part of both reason and faith are a part of well-founded science. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. There's uh, there's a great deal of, of faith that is required to do science, mm-hmm. to do science well. Okay, um, so this nonsense that somehow we have to pick between the one or the two because they don't come along, it's just nonsense, Bill. It's just absolute nonsense. Mm. Now we're going to take a break in just a moment, and uh, 